Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at GodSolutionShow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm in the studio today with a friend, Philip Pullman. And we're going to be kind of taking this show in a little bit of a different direction. You know, we always emphasize apologetics, ministry, evangelism, things like that. All those things are absolutely important. We're coming off the heels of an incredible conference with Dr. Gary Habermas, Uh, For those of you that were there, I'm glad you were there. Uh, Whatever the case, whether you were there or not, I hope that you are looking at apologetics as something that should be applied evangelistically in life, not just something that should be accumulated for knowledge's sake. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.1 is real clear that knowledge just uh, accumulated for knowledge's sake puffs up and it makes us proud. And uh, James 1.22 says that knowledge without application leads to deception. So in all of our lives, there has to come this transition from learning and and knowing to actually putting that into practice. And for the Christian, the reason we do apologetics is for evangelism. There are lost people that need to know the Savior. They need to know the gospel, and we are here to share that with them. And apologetics is basically uh, the art of defending our faith when we have to. I think it always comes second to evangelism. There are many people that probably don't need apologetical answers. Mm -hmm. They hear the gospel. They're good to go. Um, But if those questions come up, this morning I was talking to a Muslim man on campus, and uh, I shared the gospel with him. But guess what? Apologetical questions came up. (laughs) And so we spent time talking about apologetical questions. That's the value of apologetics. It's for answering honest questions from honest people in the context of the gospel. At least that's what I believe. I think it's also good for dealing with our own doubt when that comes up. But for sure, apologetics should not just be an accumulation of knowledge. And I think that for the Christian, apologetics has to happen within the context of an eternal perspective. If I'm just in this for what I can learn or talk about today, I'm really in this for the wrong reason. All of my life should be lived with uh, an uh, with an eye on the Lord, with my eyes on the Lord, and with what he's called me to do, and the fact that someday I'm going to stand before him in heaven, and I want this life to count with that in mind, and I know you do too, and so today I thought, let's uh, take this show in a little bit of a different direction, instead of just getting into the arguments and the science and the data and the history and the philosophy, let's talk about that eternal perspective. Uh, So there's a friend of mine, Philip, you met him a minute ago, and uh, he's somebody that I admire a ton. He's somebody that has a heart for ministry, a heart for the Great Commission. I've watched his life and his willingness to sacrifice for the Lord, and I thought it would be great to hear from him today on this topic of eternal perspective. He's also a writer, and he's written kind of a short allegorical story that really drives this point home, and I asked him if he would share it on the air today. So... Without any further ado, Philip, I just want to ask you, if you were talking to our audience today about the importance of an eternal perspective, I know sometimes even the word eternal can seem out there. It can seem not so here today. What kind of um, 
stories uh, might relate to that as far as our present context. Could you share some examples that maybe would help people catch the importance of what we're talking about? Right, yeah, and really I just kind of see this as the why. Why do we share with others? And it's very easy just to look at people and hear their arguments and think that that's all that there is and forget that there's a heart deep down that really is just crying out for good news. So sometimes I like to imagine as if every person I'm walking by, there's a timer ticking down above their heads um, to the time when they'll die and they'll face God and whether that'll be a joyous sight or a terrifying sight is up to whether or not they trusted in Jesus at all. And so, yeah, kind of one way that I really like to look at it, I'm a runner. I run a few races. I haven't run too many times, but every time I do run, what really gets me through that last leg of the race or even just the whole race is just looking at that finish line and realizing that once I cross that finish line, how will I look back at my whole run? Would I look back and just be frustrated and annoyed that I didn't run as hard as I possibly could have? Because once you cross the finish line, it's done. It's not like you're still going to be hurting so much. Um, That's just kind of the end of it. And so I like to run races thinking about crossing that finish line and realizing, wow, I ran this race well, and I fought that fight hard. Um, But, like, I just would hate to... Like, if you imagine running a marathon, it's a long race. And so at the end, you're just going to be really tired, and you're not going to necessarily know when that finish line is. So if you slow down just for the last well if you slow down at one point just thinking like i'm just going to take a little bit of a break and then three racers pass you and then you round the next corner and there's a finish line right there then i could imagine you'd be pretty frustrated and pretty upset that you didn't just push on for that last little bit and so i really do think that when christ does return or when we die there will be a lot of us who will beg christ in a sense to send us back for a little while longer just because we would have wished that our time, well, that we would have known that our time was running out. And so I think it's good to look at the eternal perspective because we don't know how much longer we have and we don't know how much more we'll be able to pour into people in this world. I like that analogy of a race too. Paul uses the same analogy yeah. at least twice. He uses it in Philippians 4. Uh, he also talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9 and uh, in a similar way, I guess. Um, but the concept of being diligent with an athletic competition. And uh, he talks about it in the context of an eternal perspective and the importance of, of fighting till the very end, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he even tells Timothy that, right, in Second yeah. Timothy, right, that he's fought the good fight and he's finished the race. So I think all of us want to be there. I think all of us that are at least walking with the Lord, we want our lives to count. And it's easy sometimes to become uh, just distracted by the mundane. It's so mm-hmm. easy to just get distracted by entertainment, to get distracted by sports, to get distracted by possessions, to get distracted by our to-do lists, to get distracted by taxes. I know I've been distracted by my taxes recently, to get distracted by all these things. Uh, I know sometimes a story is a good way to kind of jolt us out of that. So I know you love to write, and uh, I've seen this short story that kind of brings this home. would you mind just taking a minute and uh, reading that for us? Because I think it'll really help the audience uh, kind of get jolted out of uh, perspective. If, if you're listening today, I just want to ask you to to let the Lord work with you right now, to let the Holy Spirit work on your heart, and to say, uh, God, you've taught me a lot, and I've learned a lot of apologetics, but today I'm ready to get jolted out of um, mm. my status quo 
wherever you're at. Maybe you're very effective for ministry. Praise God. You could always be more effective. I know I always want to be more effective. So no matter where you're coming from today, just take a minute right now to ask the Lord to allow you to uh, kind of be jolted out of a status quo, uh, to be reminded afresh of the eternal perspective that you as a believer were made to live with. And I hope that this uh, story kind of helps catalyze that in your life. So, uh, Philip, take it away. Share this uh, short story with us, and we'll talk a little bit more about it afterwards. Yeah, and one thing I just wanted to add to on top of that, I didn't necessarily intend this story to come to much, but the reason why I wrote it was for my team. We were just going through a hard season of, like, just not seeing really, like, anybody really show interest in um, the gospel. And so I wrote this just to remind us of the reality of the world and what's to come and just who we're really fighting for and who's beside us and who's before us. So the title of this story is called Above the Skies. So just listen as I read this story to you. A vast black land spreads before you. The sun is blocked by dark clouds which haven't let loose rain in years. Ashes cover the ground and desperate weak moans fill the air from thousands of parched lips. Soot cakes the people's bodies to the point that they hardly look human, crawling back and forth on broken limbs too weak to stand. So long have they been trapped in this condition that they have forgotten what it even means to walk. They search the ground, longing for anything that will satisfy their hunger and thirst, pushing aside piles of rubble, digging through heaps of soot, finding only breadcrumbs and mere drops of water fighting one another over the smallest of crumbs, killing over a single taste of water. You are one of them, tired, broken, and helpless. This is your life. It always has been. You know nothing else. You hardly notice the dirt that clings to you. You chose this, your actions only further sending you down this path of despair. Every day and every night, never resting and never satisfied, always longing for something more, but not understanding what it could be. This is your life since the day you were born. Then, suddenly, a path appears before you, a staircase that climbs up into the sky to above the clouds. A man stands at the base. His robes are so white they seem to shine in the darkness. You've never seen anything so bright or so white. And to stand? You didn't even know that was possible. There's not a scratch on his body, no bruises or infected sores. Where did he come from? The world falls silent as he opens his mouth to speak. He calls out, Come to me. Your king has sent me. Trust in me and you will have new life. Follow me and you will live. Laughter fills the desolate land. One man throws a rock. It strikes his cheek. Blood oozes out of the wound. The others join in and mock him. They yell, If you are from the king, make it rain. Heal us and we will follow you. Give us a sign. More rocks are thrown. His robe is torn, but still he stands and declares, All who come to me will be saved. Your heart throbs. So many have lied to you. So many have promised life only to steal it away. Could this man be any different? He stares at you. Tears fill his eyes. More rocks fly, but his gaze never wavers. He's calling you. I came for you. I love you, he says. You can feel his love. True, deep, and sacrificial love. Could something so wonderful be true? You are afraid to hope. Your instincts tell you to run from the trap, but you can't. What would you return to? 
aimlessly searching the ground, living merely to stay alive. Hesitantly, you move one hand, then one knee as you begin to crawl toward the man. The others notice and laugh at you. How could the king care for someone as useless as you? Do you think you will for do you think he will forgive the crimes you have committed and the people you have killed? You are worthless. Still you crawl, clinging to the hope you felt, so tired of living in pain and despair, but the doubts arise. Even your heart tells you they are right. You know all that you have done, you feel unworthy, you feel useless, but you keep your gaze fixed on the man in white robes, fixed on his loving, pleading eyes. The man falls to one knee as another rock strikes his side, his robes more red than white. He falls, and but yet still he calls, I forgive you. Forgetting about the man, the others race towards you like raging monsters, shouting insults as they crawl. They growl and gnash their teeth as they block your path. The man vanishes from sight as they overcome you, pushing you into the ashes, tearing at you. You're too weak, too small. Your vision fades. As they crush your last breath out of you, you mutter, Help me. A flash fills your vision. Suddenly the weight of the others vanishes. You feel a hand lifting you up. The touch of it sends a tingling through your arm. It spreads through your body, filling you with new life. You get up. For the first time, you have the strength to stand. The moment both your feet touch the ground, the blackened earth falls from you, no longer able to cling to your purified body. The man stands before you. He is unble His unblemished face glows. His untorn robes shine. Come, he says, as he puts his arm around you and leads you to, leads you to the stairs. Around you, the dark shapes of the others flee. Aware of the man's power, they cower behind broken walls. You glide up the stairs without effort, rising above the ashes and into the clouds. You emerge from the darkness. Light shines from every direction. A stone floor stretches out into the distance, beyond what you can see. Pillars the size of a nation rise into the sky without end. All around fly magnificent creatures. With echoing voices, they sing, Holy, holy, holy. Then there's a throne. It shines with every color all at once. It too stretches up beyond what your eyes can see. Even then, it still seems too small for the being that sits upon it. His feet stretch miles. Pure light flows from them. Not even the knees of the being are visible in the distance. The king desires to see you, says the man in white. You fall to the ground. I am unworthy, you cry out. You are great and mighty. How could I even call myself your servant? Two hands wrap around you. They lift you up. The ground disappears into the distance below as they carry you up. Above the skies they carry you. The universe spreads out around you, and yet still you rise. Then they bring you over the king's knees and gently release you on his lap before flapping away in the form of a dove. You are about to fall to your knees in fear once more when you hear his voice, My child. The joy in the voice flows through you, calming every fear and silencing every doubt. I made you, and I love you. You are mine, and now I am yours. Do not fear. I know the things you have done, but the price has been paid. Your past is behind you. Your future has been purified. I made the stars in the sky. I made the raging seas and the flashing lightning. I have been and always will be, and it is I that calls you worthy. I choose to call you my child. I desire your heart. I desire to be your father. You look up, but his face is still out of sight, still hidden in the vast distance of space. 
I have called you to a purpose. A falling sensation overcomes you. You look around to see the stars growing further away, but yet you still rest on the king's lap. My people have forgotten my name. They have forgotten how to live and are lost in the depths of their depravity. Then you see that the being around you is shrinking. His face comes into view and he's looking at you. He's smiling. The same kind and fierce eyes you saw in the man in white also shines in him. My child, will you follow me? Your heart throbs as the mere sight of the king's as the mere sight of the king pours love into your soul. All you can do is nod. Then go. Remind my people of who I am. Remind them of their first love. Show them the life you have in me. I will speak through you. The change in his size stops when he's still double yours. He kneels down and wraps his arms around you like a father hugs a child. His chest is warm, his hair is soft. He stands up and carries you with one arm like a child. His face is inches from yours. You can see the depth in his eyes, the wisdom deep within. He smiles at you again. His sweet breath surrounds you. Look, my child. You're back down on the blackened earth, below the dark clouds, yet still his light shines out from within him. All around the broken people crawl. Dirt clings to their frail bodies. These are my lost children. They search the land for joy, but it can only be found in me. You are my chosen vessel. Through you they will find me. Remind them of who I am and of the love and of my love for them. I send you like a sheep amongst wolves, but I will be with you. I am in you and I love you. Walk in my will and you will have life. Abide in me and I will abide in you. The king of all is with you. I call you my child and as a father I delight in you. I will provide all you need. Merely ask according to my will and it will not be withheld. The king sets you down. For the first time you notice that you are now wearing ripe white robes. Not as white as the man in white, but a purified garment. The king turns you to face the lost people before you. Now go and don't look back, for I am with you. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. We just heard from Philip Pullman a short story that really drove home a theme of uh, living with an eternal perspective. And uh, Philip, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I think the the story speaks loud and clear to the reality that we all have so much more to be living for. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's easy to get stuck in our squalor and uh, focused on the misery around us, Mm -hmm. or at least um, distracted by it, and uh, totally missing the purpose that we have here as God's children. Uh, Philip, tell me, what would you say to an audience that probably just heard this they're probably feeling uh, touched by it, and they realize that, yep, God wants to use me for greater purposes. What do you think are the first steps someone needs to take to begin living a life with an eternal perspective? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think the first step is to never lose focus, um, and that focus can be, um, first and foremost, in God. <laughs> Once you take your eyes off of God and just an eternity spent with him in the future, then you kind of start trying to live for the present. You start trying to live for this life here and start trying to maybe live a materialistic life. Um, so yeah, first and foremost, you need to remember that, um, it's all for God and the purpose is all, 
um, living in a relationship with God. You can never, um, doing ministry and reaching out to the lost is great, but if you're not actively spending time with God yourself or um, reading his word and praying and actually building that relationship between you and God, it's all pretty much futile. I mean, why share with somebody else about a relationship that you've been neglecting? That's really convicting and good. I know for all of us, it's easy to to get stagnant at times in our walks with God. And I read a book uh, a long time ago that was just powerful. It was called Steward Leadership by Scott Roden. And in there, he, he really drove home the point that, especially if you're in ministry of any sort, but I guess this applies to all Christians, you're either authentically growing deeper with the Lord or you're faking it to everybody mm-hmm. around you. And uh, very convicting, but true. I think we have to start with our own walk with the Lord, with our own fellowship with the Lord. And um, ministry has to flow from that for sure. Okay, so let's say somebody's saying, yeah, I get that. I'm I'm pressing mm-hmm. into the Lord and he's working on my heart and I want to be a light. What are some practical ways that someone can actually be a light, do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the common... I would say maybe misconception to think that just by living as a good Christian, people are going to naturally come up to you and ask you what that all means. And I think that's possible. Um, but I think it also just means taking active steps. I mean, we see sharing our faith as almost being a burden to others, which it should not be at all. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote that story, because the point is, is it's life-giving news. It's what deep down they've been searching for their entire lives. I mean, We wonder why people work so hard or we wonder why people try to do certain things, you know, why athletes try to win the Super Bowl or whatever. And that's all because there's something missing in their lives and they think that that victory or that accomplishment will fulfill them. Um, I just recently watched an interview with uh, Tom Brady after he won three Super Bowls. Now he's up to five, I believe. but it was on 60 Minutes, and they asked him, like, Tom Brady, what's it like to win three Super Bowls? And he's like, it's great, but it's missing something. There's got to be more. And they asked him, like, well, what is it? What's this something more? Like, if it's not winning three Super Bowls, like, being super rich, like, what is it? Like, that's the American dream. And he's like, I wish I knew. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I knew, but it's not this. And so, yeah, like people really do desire to hear this news, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether it's so deep into their heart that they haven't even really thought about it. Like, it's there. And I think that's an important thing to remember, that people want to hear this news. We're not burdening them by sharing them, sharing with them the gospel. We're giving them the thing that they truly, deeply desire. You know, I just saw an interview with one of the actresses that's a, one of the main actresses in the new Black Panther movie, Mm. and because I'm not a big movie guy, I forget her name, (laughs) but she had one of the leading roles in the movie, and I guess recently in the last year or so, she felt um, so kind of done with her career, Mm. she felt like she was empty and that she was not satisfied by her career, and she went on what she called a, a religious sabbatical for seven months, and on that sabbatical, she was trying to find something more than this career Mm -hmm. and on that sabbatical she heard the gospel and she became a believer she put her faith and trust in jesus christ and in this story she realized and she said in this interview 
um, my value doesn't come from getting a role or keeping a role or any of these different things. My value is in Jesus. And she even said she contemplated leaving acting because she felt like Hollywood would be such a, a drain on her spiritually. Mm-hmm. But she made the decision to stay in Hollywood and to stay in acting to be a witness to others. Um, but we we easily can look at the poor and the downtrodden and think they're the ones that need help because they're so desperate. Mm-hmm. And of course, the poor and downtrodden are very close to the Lord's heart. Oh, yeah. And we should meet their needs and share the gospel with them. But Super Bowl winners and movie actresses also need the Lord. <laughs> Every human being needs oh, yeah. the Lord. And the gospel alone is what people truly need and are searching for, whether they know it or not. Uh, now, a lot of you are listening to this, and I hope you're realizing that you're God's people for God's work mm-hmm. at God's time. In Acts 17, Paul says that God determined the times and the places that people would live so that people would find the Lord. So it's no accident that you live where you live, that you work where you work, that you're alive at this time. You are part of God's strategy for the people that you interact with on a daily basis. He desires that those people would find him through you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put you in their path. (laughs) So here we are. We know that there's uh, an eternal perspective that we should live with. We know that there is a lost world that needs the gospel. A lot of us just need that that extra push. What would you say to the people listening right now? What is a good step that they could take this afternoon or tomorrow to to really start living with an eternal perspective in a practical way? In a practical way, yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully, we all know somebody who doesn't know Christ. Um, and hopefully we've been building a friendship with them to some degree. Maybe it's someone that we work with or maybe it's just somebody that we happen across all the time when we, I don't know, even go to the bank or whatever. Um, but I think a good step, I was just talking with somebody today about this, how like it's sometimes so hard for us to find the space and time in our daily routine to talk with people because they're always so busy. But yet it's not an uncommon thing just to, catch up with somebody over coffee and like what a great and easy step that is just be like hey i'd like to get to know you better let's go and have some coffee like who's going to turn that down especially if you offer to buy um i mean if they are your friend then sure they can probably spare like an hour out of their whole week or out of their whole month whatever you can plan it way in advance um but i think yeah just taking that first step and reaching out to them or maybe it's just letting them know that you're a christian somehow to begin that conversation and every conversation can come back to the gospel one way or another that's a wonderful point and talking about the gospel we never want to do this show without sharing the gospel i don't assume that everybody listening right now has a relationship with the lord if you don't if you don't know the lord as your savior and uh, if you don't know jesus in a personal and authentic way the bible is real clear god loves you He created you to be in relationship with him for all of eternity. Unfortunately, you and me are sinful, and a sinful person can't be in a relationship with a perfect God. It's practically impossible. And God, being just and holy, cannot just look the other way on sin. Sin has to be punished. It has to be paid for. Thankfully, God himself paid the ultimate price for our sin. He died 
on the cross to pay for our sins and rose again so that anyone who believes in him could have eternal life. But this is where the rubber meets the road. Each one of us has to make a decision whether we will believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, trusting him, allowing him to really come into our lives and to make us who he wants us to be. At that moment of believing in him, he says he changes us, he forgives us, he adopts us into his family, he guarantees us eternal life. If you've never taken that step, I would encourage you, even right now, you could verbalize that step in prayer, saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me eternal life. Today, please be my Savior and Lord. If you took that step today, let us know about it. You can go to godsolutionshow.com. Use the contact form there to get in touch with us. Uh, whether you took that step or not, I encourage you to use that contact form and get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, definitely let us know what you think you'd like to hear us talking about on the show. Um, again, godsolutionshow.com is the link. And while you're there, uh, check out some of our past shows. Uh, we have uh, over 350 past shows, interviews with the top apologists in the world, great, great resources to grow in your apologetical knowledge for the purpose of being more effective in evangelism so that more people can find the Lord. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm sure we'll have you again. Uh, tune back in next week, but until then, always remember an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at godsolutionshow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.